All right, we are live. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, December 21st of 2022. Year winding down here, but we have a big 11-game NBA slate as well as a seven-game NHL slate. Nice big usual Wednesday slate following a short five-gamer yesterday. Should be exciting. Uh, happy to dive into any questions that come in related to that. For those of you who are new here, welcome. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the Office Hours channel, in our Discord server, or live in the YouTube chat. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. We will make sure to get to all the questions by the end of the show. Promise you that. Uh, looking ahead, you know, just a reminder, if you are participating in our weekly max challenge that we have been running all NFL season, the NFL main slate this week is on Saturday and not Sunday. Mini max contests for Saturday will count towards all of the end of the season long prizes for the max challenge. Going to keep reminding everybody of that all week long. Don't want anybody to miss that announcement. So that being said, uh, we are going to jump right in here, have quite a few questions to get us going. But if you are just tuning in, have some questions, throw those in the live YouTube chat, and that will keep us busy. But got our first question here in the Discord. Looks like this is the first one came in this morning. Says, can you discuss the philosophy associated with the correlation sliders? Matt mentioned on Behind the Sims that even with the slider set to zero, you get the correlation that arises in the Sims. Does that mean the sliders boost the correlation beyond what the Sims naturally give? Can you discuss why you would slash would not want to do that? Yeah, no, we could totally talk about this. I think this is a really good question. So, you know, at a correlation slider of zero, basically. So, so, so when this correlation slider is up, it is going to favor players who uh, have positive correlations to each other. So if we open up any individual player in this instance, you know, Zach Levine, probably more correlated, uh, probably more likely to show up in a lineup with Trey Young than a lineup with DeMar DeRozan. I feel like, you know, we had, we had a similar situation yesterday where I was trying to find two players on the opposing team that were correlated to each other and I just couldn't find one. And then I find one today. So, so right here, you know, going back to yesterday, this is kind of what we're talking about in basketball, specifically play players who are like shooters, uh, high scoring players tend to be positively correlated to another high scoring player on the opposite team. They get that back and forth effect going uh, in a game that ends up being like a shootout and they both have to score a lot, right? This is a perfect example of that. And then you see a high negative correlation to another shooter on the same team because when Zach Levine is shooting, those are less shots for DeMar DeRozan, harder for both of them to get there in, in certain game-type environments. But Sims understand that. We'll put them in together at only the rate that they are coming up worthy in the Sims, basically. So, so what the correlation slider is doing is it is basically like taxing players who are negatively correlated when this slider is up and then boosting players who are positively correlated um, in the, in the sim. Sorry, there's like a bug right in my face. So it is, it is giving a slight boost to players who are positively correlated, right? Some of this correlation happens naturally in the sim. That's what you get from simulating games. 
you you get that natural correlation. But in DFS, you know, we like to exploit these edges uh, in in certain instances. You know, I'm not going to say like like more correlation can be better, right? And depending on the type of sport, it can be better. Uh, there definitely is like a uh, equilibrium point where you can start going like too much correlation and then that starts going down like a negative path. But, you know, we we backtest these sliders. We we do backtesting internally and we set it at a rate where we feel that it provides value, right? And in, in the Sims, you're going to get natural correlation, but you're going to get natural correlation across all the Sims, right? And a player does not do good in every single Sim in the database. This is why we use upside correlation. So... If, if you uh, hover here, you know, we have a, a little uh, kind of tooltip. So basically it says incorporates the impact one player's performance has on others. A higher correlation weight favors players who do well when the other does well, while negative weight favors players who do well when another in your lineup does poorly. Okay, we don't talk about it anymore. I think we did at one point. But basically when we um, use the correlation slider, we don't, we don't really care how... Trey Young correlates to another player when he has a 25th percentile outcome, shoots really poorly from the field. Uh, we're not going to get him in your lineups at that projection. So why do we care about the correlation to other players at that rate? Right. That would that would be if we took you know his correlation across all the sims, which is really what what this uh, value is when you pull up his distribution. We we only care about you know. How, how does how do other players correlate to this player when he does really good, right? Because because when he does really good, that's when you're going to get him in your lineups. Those are the outcomes you want him to have in your lineups in in real games that play. That way, you know you win your contest, right? So so we factor in we call it upside correlation. It's basically like when when this player does good, uh, who does he correlate to in those instances? So that is really what the slider is doing. It is narrowing in on the upside outcomes and the upside correlation and taking that into account. That's why we recommend continuing to use the correlation slider. Uh, we just feel like the raw correlation in the Sims is great that it happens, right? And it's really good for showdowns and, and things like that. But it is not... Uh, we, we can dial it in more and make it even better for the users by using upside correlation in your lineups on classic slates. So that is uh, my thoughts on, you know, why using the correlation slider is important and what you get out of it uh, beyond what just the correlation in the Sims is. But uh, I think, I think natural correlation, especially in showdowns when you're running zero, zero tens, getting optimals is like really, really cool in and of itself. You get, just like the right amount of correlation for the different game scripts and things like that. You are not solving just a knapsack problem. So really cool there that you get it on its own, but you are still able to, we are still able to leverage it and give you even better types of correlation for the lineups that we build you, but really good question there. Okay. Going to keep rolling. Got a question here from Neil. Neil is asking about sliders. Uh, Neil said, curious about your thoughts on these 100-man NFL DK tourneys. It's interesting to me that the defaults are 204. I realize that 100 people is a small contest, but wouldn't we still want to factor in fading ownership at least a little bit? Okay, so 
I'm going to give you my thoughts like on these contests. And then I'm going to give you my thoughts kind of on the second part of your question. Right. So, so my thoughts in regards to this contest, right. I think that, uh, if you are somebody with a huge bankroll and you basically can't get enough action down, right. I think it's fine. Like to play these, uh, that that's not where I am in, in my DFS process and in, in my DFS bankroll. I, I don't think that's where a lot of the people in the community are at. So my, my initial kind of response to, you know, what do you think of these hundred man DK attorneys? I think your money could be better spent elsewhere, right? I think there are a lot of other really good GPPs, especially talking about NFL. NFL is like the largest DFS sport far and away, right? Like there are so many good contests uh, under the $3 threshold across sites, right? Like FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, you can get so much good action down. Um, I, I really don't like look at these. I don't mix these contests specifically into my elevators. I think that there are just better places where you can have much more of like uh really type, like, like the point of an elevator, right? It's like, you know, you put in $12 and on, on DraftKings, I think like first place is like 20 grand, right? Like that is just like a huge boost for like the $12 single entry. And I would much rather take, I think it's like $7, right? They have like those $7 hundred mans. Like I would much rather take my $7 and put that toward playing like the $12. And then they'll run like three $12, right? They'll run like a, a 20,000 entry, a 10,000 entry. Like I would, I would much rather re-enter the second $12 than, than go and play the $7. But those are my thoughts on the contest. But then, you know, talking about, you know, if you are playing the contest, right, that's contest you like, that's contest you want to play, you know, let's talk about like some, some strategy on it. Um, Frankly, I'm going to like look at what the sliders are kind of telling me I need for the contest and then kind of walk it back from there. Right. So if I'm playing this uh, single entry, you know, I'm going to go over to NFL uh, and then go over to the main slate here. And then it, this would be a single entry uh, 11 to 100 entrance sliders, as you said, 204. I think what this is basically telling me is that, hey, you know, there's only 100 players in this contest. Uh, we basically want to play the best plays and we do not want to fade ownership or like tax high owned players because we feel like you can get there with them and you're not going to be duplicated. Uh, Sim diversity is still at four. Uh, at a moderate level, I think that is like the, really the key takeaway here from me. It's like, Hey, we are still, you know, sampling the Sims at like a, a, a fair rate here. You know, it's not, not near single game optimals, not near mean, you know, right in the middle. Um, so, so still doing like a fair amount of sampling. So you're still getting, uh, buckets of Sims where you can capture upside. Right. So to me, this is saying like, Hey, we really just kind of want to build for, for upside. And that also comes into play with the correlation, right? You're going to get stacks even with a correlation at two. That's why it's not at zero, right? So like try and build some stacks, try and get some upside. Don't worry about fading high owned players. Let those players into your lineup and just try and uh, build high upside outcomes. If, if I was playing this contest, right? And I built lineups for this, I would probably sort by percentile, in, in the post build, 
just just kind of you know what the sliders are telling me uh what i kind of know about small field uh really small contest to start with i would probably just set this to to a percentile like 95th or something like that and build along those lines i think that you know that is kind of what what my vibe is uh and what what i'm getting out of like playing this type of of contest and just kind of understanding how that works uh you know sliders want to bucket the sims don't really want to worry about ownership fade uh want to take into account some correlation i'm assuming you know we're going to get some stacks in here only looking at one lineup you know we could open this up to 20 and you know get getting stacks and runbacks you know a lot right getting a lot of runbacks getting some big game stacks in here so pretty consistent theme and i would just come in here and i would build for build by percentile not worry so much about the ownership fade in that instance but those are just some of my thoughts uh open to hearing any uh feedback and starting a discussion on it neil all right scrolling down here question from naj looks like we have two more questions in the discord one question to start in the YouTube chat, get those questions in now to keep us rolling. All right, Nas said, when running 1,500 lineups for NBA test build, what is considered low exposure? Also, if a player is highly exposed and has negative leverage, is that a bad play? Okay, so, so Naj, my opinion to you is that think of, think of exposure in relation to the player's ownership and don't look at exposure to different players as the same thing right so i'm going to come in here i'm going to i'm going to make two adjustments now so we can see the lineups when we build here i'm going to build 500 lineups right basically what i'm trying to say is that you know 50% exposure to one player is not equal to 50% exposure of another player right i think that's a very core concept that i i want to uh kind of uh hammer home here so we're going to open this up to 20 lineups this is this is a good example you know right off the bat james wiseman is at 0.5 percent ownership right now and we have him in 95 percent of lineups but then you see somebody like lebron who is closer to 40 percent and we have him in 100 percent of lineups right this james wiseman play is so much more risky than playing lebron right at lebron you know Four out of 10 lineups in your contest are going to have him in those. You're getting a lot less leverage on the field than playing somebody like James Wiseman at, at less than 1% in all but one of your lineups, right? So that that is really like how I would look at it is on a, on a player level, right? Like 100% for LeBron is so much different than 100% for James Wiseman here. So I think it's a balance of looking at you know, how high owned a player is, how much leverage you have on them and how much the, how, like how, how much is the field going to roster them and how different are you going to be by having this player in, you know, said number of lineups. Right. So that's what I really like to, to think about. And then the second part of the question, you know, if a player is highly exposed and has negative leverage, is that a bad play? Like not necessarily. Right. Um, I think we could probably find a good example here and somebody maybe like you know we're not seeing a great example here but but you know for for the for the sake of the conversation let's say you know lebron was at 30 percent right so you know lebron is at 30 percent exposure in this example 
uh, but he's owned 37% of the time. So that gives him a negative seven, seven leverage. Uh, I, I wouldn't consider him a bad play. Right. And, and maybe I'm looking at, you know, my entire pool here. I think this is really interesting. You know, we're seeing, you know, 91% uh, LeBron in our 500 lineups at, at this point in the day. Right. Maybe a really good play. Maybe Kevin Looney is out today and James Wiseman is expected to start. Maybe Jamichael Green uh, is in there too. Not really sure what the Warriors situation is today. They tend to sit players uh, all at once. So it should be a really interesting slate with the Warriors specifically. I think this Zach Levine one's kind of interesting, right? Negative leverage in our pool, about minus 10%. But, you know, we think he's a great play. In, in the top range of our lineups, right? So that is somebody I might want to look into a little more and, you know, maybe do a little more research on, maybe be careful and manage my risk a little bit, right? You know, what? how many lineups with Zach Lamine do I get once I start setting my min uniques? And it looks like he was one of the first to go, right? Um, he, he dropped down from 70 to 35. You know, this is why getting diverse in your lineups that you take with you into your contest is important. I think we can't probably go more than four here, but I'd be much more comfortable playing him at small leverage close to his ownership with him being negative leverage in the pool. Um, but that, but you know, that's, that, that's a personal choice. You know, this still might be too much James Wiseman for me, right? Showing up in a ton in the pool. I think his ownership will change throughout the day. If he does get announced starting, I know, this is like Min Price just called up from the G League, hasn't really played, but uh, has has played for the Warriors a lot in the past. So it should be an interesting development there. Uh, key takeaways, you know, look at leverage, look at ownership, look at exposure on a player-by-player player level, and 50% exposure from one player is not equal to 50% exposure of another player. It is really relative to their ownership uh, on a player-by-player player level. All right. Uh, another question here from Naj said, I already have the run pure sports bundle. Do you know any other good NBA podcasts or any DFS podcasts in general? Uh, I don't, I don't know of any that give like, uh, you know, core plays or, or locks or anything like that. Not really going to promote any of our competitors on there. I think, uh, you know, some, some good uh, general DFS podcasts. One that I like to listen to is Lulz. They don't really, uh, do you know like slate stuff but it is about you know the dfs space and uh good time listening to uh pete and brick over there on the uh lulz podcast more of like kind of shooting the shit hanging out catching up uh talking about the dfs space talking about all types of things so a uh, very good podcast over there is, is one i would uh listen to if if you haven't listened to any yet all right Hopping over to YouTube chat, see one question here. Uh, you know, now is a good time to get more questions in. We'll see what we do after this one. Retro Automotive Group said, do you ever withdraw your winnings or do you treat your bankroll like a stock portfolio? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Not something, you know, a lot of people talk about. I think it really depends on uh, your financial situation, your preference, you know, a lot of things like that. I think best practice is to like literally never withdraw and continue to grow that bankroll right but uh you know you have a big win you want to you know uh, capture some of that fruit uh you know may maybe take the spouse on a on a nice vacation and make them feel good as to uh you know why you spend so much time doing this oh you know they get to enjoy the the fruits of it as well i think uh 
you know, speaking of DFS podcast, pretty sure Jordan Cooper said something like that a couple weeks ago was like, Hey, you know, you have a big win, you know, take, take the wife to Hawaii and uh, you know, she'll, she'll stop bugging you about uh, building your lineups all, all the time in, in the, in the evening. So that that was a little funny joke there, but I think, I think it, it really depends, right? Uh, if you can keep it in great, that's something going to allow you to in, reinvest more and, and play bigger contests and grow that. I think it, I think it's totally okay to withdraw a portion and um, set set that aside. You know, uh, end of the year tax season, right? So uh, something I've been I've been you know working on behind the scenes. You know, trying to do some like end of year planning and and figure things out. Uh, if you want to, you know, keep track of your bankroll, Rotor Tracker is an awesome tool. It is a paid service, but very easy to use. You can chop up the data all different ways and uh, really highly recommend that if that is in the the bankroll for you. But, uh, you know, my, my final thoughts, totally okay to withdraw some winnings and enjoy them and, you know, uh, enjoy your your hard work and, and your winnings. Don't, don't always come around too often. So nice to uh, get something out of that. But reinvesting is definitely probably uh, best practice to continue to grow and build your bankroll. So, but that being said, uh, don't see any more questions coming in. Uh, Retro Automotive Group said, "Great advice. Uh, that really helps. Thank you. Yep, happy to uh, share share my opinions. And uh, sounds like you know you might be winning. So, congratulations and and keep up the good work." Uh, Naj asked about some of the podcasts that I mentioned. So uh, the the one with uh, Brick75 and Pete is spelled lols like this. I believe you can find it. Like uh, Spotify is where I watch it. And then um, probably on other podcast forms too. Our own Jordan Chan was on the Theory of DFS podcast with uh, Jordan Cooper. He did a segment on there. You could find that on YouTube uh, under the Theory of uh, Daily Fantasy Sports. Uh, Was a really good conversation with our Jordan and the Jordan who runs the show. So we were all happy to listen to him and hear him talk about the Saberson product on the show. So you can check those out. A couple of DFS podcasts that I know about. Um, I think High Stakes with Neil Orfield is a really good podcast. Uh, the Emotional Bankroll podcast, our own Eric Thiel, uh, ET Phone Home, was on that podcast. You can also catch that one on basically all uh, podcast platforms. Uh, Eric's really sharp guy. And uh, was nice to hear him talk and and get a little more background on Eric. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen Eric on Behind the Sims and stuff. You want to learn a little more about Eric, you can catch him on the Emotional Bankroll Podcast, ET Phone Home. So that is his uh, DK uh, username there. But, um, yeah, guys, I mean, that that's all I got. Happy to, you know, hang out here. And I uh, was looking forward to the show. Always look forward to come on and hanging out. So if anybody has anything they want to talk about, now's a good time to get it in. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna look, you know, while we're just hanging out. Let's see what's up with the Warriors here tonight, right? So I'm going gonna, to gonna pull this up. Going to pull up Basketball Monster here and see what's going on with the news tonight. So this is something I like to do, you know, before a slate. Come in here, right? Uh, see who's questionable, first of all, right? And get an idea of where late swap value might open up. And then, you know, once I've kind of uh, gotten that all down, you know, like this uh, LAC news is really interesting. Uh, what Russell Westbrook 
Sabonis has just been like on a tear. So if Sabonis sits, like who's going to play for him, right? So get, getting an, an idea of who might play, who might not play is really good. And then you can uncheck this box and then you can come in here and you can see who's out, right? So it looks like Clay is sitting tonight. Okay, Jermichael Green is out. So he is somebody who would sub uh, for... Kevin Looney, I'm I'm pretty sure there. So with, with Jermichael Green out, that's probably more minutes for James Wiseman if if he does end up playing, who is currently questionable at the moment. So some interesting developments to come out. Um, I think it's important to know who's who might play and then who will not play, right? So definitely something I do like before every slate is coming here and get an idea of who might play, who might not play. But I see a couple questions coming in here. And going to get Saberson pulled back up, and then we can continue to chat about those. Uncrabby Cabby said, hey, Andrew, with the contest being so top-heavy, is being too diverse in your lineups playing too conservatively? Uh, why not play a more condensed player pool and a more boom or bust style? I think that's totally okay to do. Um, if if you, you know, have the risk tolerance for that, if you are probably uh, – playing less on a night to night basis, you know, that, that type of strategy is going to come with bigger swings. That's why we really recommend, you know, you diversifying as much as possible, smoothing out those swings. Like I can tell you, you know, personal experience, like I'm a pretty aggressive player and I've been on like quite, quite a big downswing, right? I'm going to finish the season or the year positive, but it has not been the best, you know, uh, last six months for me. But, you know, it's okay. You know, we're going to continue to ride it out, grind it out, um, and and work back. But I would just say, you know, you got to have, like, the tolerance for that. You got to have the stomach for it. You got to be kind of numb to those big losses. But I think it can make sense, right? And if you are somebody who is, you know, really hunting, uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, you got to bink, right? The contests are so top-heavy, like you say. Um, you know, first place and, like, the flagship is, like, 100K. And then it goes down to 25K, 10K, 5K, like, like really quickly. Right. And, and there's not in, in, in an entire, you know, contest of, you know, 30,000 people, there's not a big difference between first place and fifth place on like a statistical basis, but there's a huge difference in payout. Right. So I, I definitely think that that type of strategy can make sense. And when you are right, it will give you a lot more opportunities to get to the top of the contest, but those opportunities might not come so often and the swings might be a lot tougher. So that's like, you know, my, my um, official advice and my personal advice kind of from experience on the topic, but definitely think it is a viable strategy. And a lot of people play like that. Right. And that's okay. There's a lot of different ways to play DFS. Uh, So nothing wrong with that approach. I think the diversification approach has helped me a lot in recent months to, uh, start to turn my downswing around. So been, been pretty happy with the results. Still a lot of opportunities to get to those high scores. Nonetheless. All right. Next question from rogue three. Does using value over point filter on step one, eliminate any major value. If you set it to greater than four on Fanduel? I think the best thing we could do is like check, right? <laughs> So, so, so let's go in here and let's, let's do an experiment, right? We got some time. So right now, uh, the point filter, I believe is set to 13 by default. I usually lower this much lower 
And I know Jordan, when Jordan was on last week, when I was out sick, said that he basically turns it off, right? Um, I'll, I'll lower this to like seven and, and go even lower here. Uh, I do like to have some type of floor, especially like I would probably, you know, I like to pull in minutes over here and see, you know, how many minutes these guys are getting. So like usually what, I, what I've kind of noticed, and this is like totally anecdotal, but it's like around this like seven to 10 point range, you see guys get below like 15 minutes and, you know, maybe I should use a minute filter, but, but I don't, I use a point filter instead. Um, you know, I, I like to guy. I like to play guys who are going to get in the game, right? And I think it's like very possible that some guys get in the game and then do really well in like a short amount of time. Or sometimes there's a blowout and they get extra minutes late, right? So that's kind of why I choose to lower this to like uh, seven or something like that. And then I will just spot check the lineups in in the post build or spot check the players. You know, I like to I like to set it to seven build, you know, apply my many needs, my filters, you know, exposures, whatever I want. And then like toward the end, I will come in and say like, okay, you know, what are the lowest projected guys I'm getting? And am I okay having them in my lineups? Right. That's something I do a lot. Um, I think it's okay to, to use a value filter. You know, I think, you know, basically the reason I started doing this was because I wanted to allow the Sims to put whoever they wanted in the lineup. And then I kind of spot check and judge it in in the post build i think it goes back to you know um letting the sims do what the sims want to do and preserving the sanctity of the sims uh kind of along those lines kind of where i changed my thinking uh if you were to come in here and add a filter says you know show players with value greater than four you're probably going to do a lot of player pool curation here and i think it's important to understand you know what you are giving up I think that at the highest range, you know, you might be giving up some high own play, some high projected players that just don't grade out that well on a value perspective, but you know, their raw points are still high, right? So the first one I see is like Fred Van Vliet, you know, less than a four value, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's a guy you want to allow into your lineups. So I, I just think that if you're going to do that, you know, it, it can be pretty restrictive pretty fast. Uh, I kind of like to take the opposite approach and allow more players into my lineup and then spot check as opposed to uh, tighten my player pool in the pre-build and only play specific players that I'm okay with. So I think four value might be a little too restrictive for me. Um, you know, I, I, I am very okay with letting some of these players into my lineup and I'm not even sure how much they'll show up, right? But, you know, we can go and check. You know, you, we got the time. So let's let's run a build uh, with this filter off. You know, some guys that were on that list, Fred Van Vliet and Bobby Portis, right? Two guys that I just saw, and I'm going to go check them out. I think Bull Bull was uh, in there as well. So let's run 500 lives. Let's see how much of them we're getting in the first place, and then, you know, let's make some decisions from there about, you know, what type of filters we want to use. But I think it's totally okay, you know, go in there, Apply different filters, see what those do to your lineups, and see what those do to your player pool, right? So Fred Van Vliet, we're not even getting any of him to start with. Bobby Portis, not getting any of him. Uh, Bull, not getting any of him. So I think Javon Carter was another one. And not getting any Javon Carter. So, you know, it 
you know, I, 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 I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, Saber Sim is going to put these players in your lineups at the rate that they deserve to be in your lineups in the Sims. So, you know, can you be like more restrictive? Yeah, for sure. Uh, can you be less restrictive and, and still be okay? Like, yes, the builder's not going to do something that doesn't make sense for the type of contest that you're building for. So I think, I think these are always like really good examples, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, good opportunities to kind of show that like, you know, we're, we're not full of shit over here that like the builder, you know, builds you good lineups out of the gate and understands these things. Like, like this is a great example, right? Um, you know, we're not seeing like, anything that we wouldn't expect to see. So uh, appreciate the opportunity to, you know, show off the builder and always uh, hype it up there. But I think the builder is, is really good in and of itself. I think that even at less restriction, it will do the right things, uh, you know, almost all the time. So good example there. Uh, good question. Happy to demonstrate that. But that being said, you know, got a couple extra questions there at the end and nothing else coming in. So we will be right back for our Thursday show tomorrow. Looking forward to NFL showdown along with our regularly scheduled NBA and NHL slates should be a good time. One last announcement before we go. NFL main slate is Saturday, December 24th. So mini max contest for Saturday will count towards the weekly max challenge and all of the season long prizes. So make sure to enter for the main slate on Saturday for the mini maxes and not Sunday. You can play Sunday as well, but those will not count toward the, toward the weekly max challenge, but good show today. Appreciate all the questions until tomorrow. I will see you guys and good luck in your contests.